Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... God! 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 To be the man! You gotta beat the man! The 2-1. Swan Lane drive left hand! Water on his end! This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Powers on Sports Podcast, Steamboat Spring style this week for our episode. I'm on a little vacation. I'm out in the beautiful Steamboat Springs, Colorado, about three hours from Denver for a little R&R, but we still have time to give you what you want, a quality podcast as we enter the NFL playoffs, the national championship in college football. We had Black Monday, and we're also going to have a great interview with a Super Bowl champion, Martin Gramatica, the kicker, former kicker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and a couple of other teams in the National Football League. We're going to talk to Martin about his career, moving from Argentina, all that good stuff, and obviously his Super Bowl her- heroics with the Buccaneers in the O. Three Super Bowl win over the Oakland Raiders, and all things uh, Martin Gramatica post career as well. So we got a good episode for you. Want to first start off by talking about the national championship game in college football. Georgia finally gets it done. Has climbed the mountain, and finally slayed the dragon in the University of Alabama and Nick Saban. Kirby Smart finally gets the huge monkey off his back of beating Alabama in a pretty boring title game for about two and a half quarters, and the last quarter and a half was very exciting in Indianapolis. The dogs are led by Stetson Bennett with two fourth-quarter touchdown passes. Great job by Bennett, the former walk-on. The former local kid, everybody thought, this guy can't play, this guy can't lead a team, and Stetson Bennett leads two great fourth-quarter drives to take the lead and put the game away for Georgia in the fourth quarter to clinch it, and then obviously they had the interception return late in the game. Uh, Georgia wins their first national championship since 1981 with Vince Dooley, Herschel Walker in the crew back in the day. Again, Kirby Smart's first national championship as a head coach. You know, he was a former player at Georgia, an all-SEC defensive back back in the day. And again, this game was a very defensive-oriented game that first half, 9-6 to at the half. It was a field goal fest. Big play in the game. Jamison Williams, the All-American type wide receiver for Alabama, tears his ACL middle of the third quarter. A uh, you know very tough injury, non-contact injury on a catch down the middle for a big play. But the key to the game was just Alabama's inability to score touchdowns in the red zone. They got in the red zone several times and just could not get the ball in the end zone until late in the game. Uh, to take, they did take the lead. It was thirteen to twelve, and then the, Alabama scored to make it eighteen to thirteen. Middle of the you know with about ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and Stetson Bennett turns around and goes four for four. And puts the dogs back in the end zone with a terrific 40-yard touchdown pass or so to the wide receiver for Georgia. Remember, Alabama jumped offside, so they had a free play. Bennett throws it up, and an Alabama receiver, Mitchell, makes an unbelievable catch in the end zone. There, 19 to 18. Georgia takes the lead. Alabama has to punt again, and then Stetson Bennett takes him down the field and Puts him up eight points with a touchdown pass to the to the sensational tight end, freshman tight end, Brock Bowers, to put him up eight. And again, Bryce Young under siege all night, under pressure. The Georgia defensive line was playing really well, put a lot of pressure. They did a great job masking their coverages. The Georgia DBs, 
Alabama had a very tough time completing passes after Jamison Williams went out. They utilized the tight end a little bit, but they just did not have any impact players at receiver, um, playing a bunch of freshmen, a couple freshman kids. And the Georgia defensive line really in the linebacking core was really a factor late in that fourth quarter, getting to uh, Bryce Young and putting tons of heat on him. Uh, and then thus forcing the last interception, which turned into a defensive touchdown. And the Dogs get it done. 33-18 is the final. Again, Kirby Smart, first national title. Stetson Bennett, going to be a Georgia legend. Won't play in the NFL, most likely. Undersized. Again, walk-on, went to junior college. Came back to Georgia, was third or fourth on the depth chart. Everybody thought JT Daniels was going to be the guy. But Stetson Bennett, with a steady hand, played pretty well uh, throughout the year. Had a couple of uh, iffy moments. Had the fumble in the Alabama game. Obviously did not play well in the Alabama SEC title game. Wasn't terrible, but just threw a couple bad interceptions in the title in the SEC title game. But give this guy credit. He responded under pressure, made the throws he had to make. Uh, when he had to make them in the fourth quarter, and that Georgia defense was good enough to keep Bryce Young and the Alabama Crimson Tide out of the end zone, but one time, again, 33-18 final. A couple interesting notes out of that after that game. The following day after the title, seven Alabama players entered the transfer portal, which I don't think you've seen that a whole lot in the, in the Nick Saban era. He's had some guys leave, but I don't know if we've ever seen that many guys leave at one time and that soon after a national championship. Uh, but, it, but seven guys do enter the transfer portal for Alabama. So it'll be interesting to see how that that plays in Tuscaloosa heading into the spring. Again, Bryce Young will be back for another year in Tuscaloosa. Stetson Bennett's gone. A lot of speculation that Caleb Williams, the transfer from Oklahoma, could be in the mix to go to Georgia. Uh, again, he's a free agent right now, has not made a decision. So we'll be very interested to see where Caleb Williams ends up if he ends up in Athens. Again, you will see Georgia would be another perennial one or two preseason rank heading into next year. But kudos to Georgia. Kudos to my buddy Matt Dickman, who was in the house, huge Georgia fan. Uh, and again, so again, the, the dog nation gets it done finally, and Kirby Smart finally gets that monkey off his back about beating Saban in Alabama. So Georgia National Champions 2022. And uh, so there you have the National Championship picture in college football. We'll be right back in just a minute. We'll talk a little NFL playoffs. We'll talk a little Black Monday as well, which will then lead into our interview with Martine Gramatica of the Tampa Bay, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Super Bowl champion, uh, Pro Bowl kicker and such throughout his career. And we'll talk all things Martin Gramatica. We'll be right back to the podcast in just a minute. Now a word from our sponsor, BetUS. Hey, guys and girls, with the college bowl games in full swing and the NFL playoffs, Fast approaching, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. As you may or may not know, BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and most importantly, paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses available to you. Join now or call 1 800 69 BetUS. That is 1 800 MyBetUS. You will receive 125% of a sign-up bonus by using the bonus code, promo code 125. Not 50, not 75, not 100, but 125%. They have re-up re and referral bonuses as well. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a ton of reasons. BetUS has all of your NBA, NHL games with team and player props and loads of NFL odds and plays. You can bet UFC matches, UFC props, PGA Tour golf, PGA Tour golf round matchups, and live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games, and the race book has all of your favorite horse tracks from around the country. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet, you win, and more importantly, you get paid. BetUS, and remember our promo code XXXX. BetUS, where the game begins. Black Monday, the guillotine comes down on several head coaches 
on Monday and Tuesday of this week. Joe Judge out with the Giants. Mike Zimmer out in Minnesota. Fangio fired over the weekend on Sunday after their Saturday loss in Denver. Matt Rule is going to stay in Carolina. He gets a reprieve. Urban Meyer obviously already gone. The Las Vegas situation, what's going to happen with Basaccio with what a wild game that was on Sunday night for the Raiders to get into the playoffs as well as the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is Basaccio safe now? Who knows? Nagy and Matt Ryan Pace gone in Chicago, which we all thought. So, and, and kind of maybe the biggest surprise, Brian Flores fired in Miami after a seven-game winning streak and a 9-8 and season in Miami. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what the Dolphins do from there. So those are, your, those are your openings, some names to be looking out for. You know, one thing we haven't heard, where's have we, we haven't heard much of Eric Bieniemy's name. Is he in the mix for a job this year? Who knows? Brian Flores, I think, will get a serious consideration for another job in one of these openings. Because remember, you're going to have openings in Jacksonville. You're going to have openings in all the places we mentioned. Um, Brian Dayball, offensive coordinator in Buffalo, has some ties to Miami. Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator with the Buccaneers. Again, lots of people think he's going to get another job, potentially Chicago, maybe even a place like New York. Again, if you're Todd Bowles, you've got to have a strong offensive coordinator in the as part of your staff because that was Bowles' issue in New York was the offense. Bowles is a great defensive coach, but you got to have an offensive guy who can lead the way to uh, – if you're Todd Bowles going to be a serious c- candidate at one of these jobs, you better have an offensive coordinator, a strong guy in place. Byron Leftwich getting a lot of talk up in Jacksonville potentially. The OC in Tampa as well. So will the Bucks potentially lose their offensive and defensive coordinators following their playoff run? We will see. Uh, Ryan Day. Is Ryan Day a guy from the college ranks? He could be a fit potentially in Chicago. You have Justin Fields, a former Ohio State guy. Will, it, will there a phone call be made to Ryan Day to see if he's interested? Jim Harbaugh. Again, another big name from the college ranks. Had plenty of pro success in San Francisco. Again, Chicago's another golden place he might wind up. He played in Chicago as a quarterback. He's very familiar with that area. He's also potentially could be a candidate in Las Vegas if the Raiders make a change. You know, he's got a strong relationship with that from out with Al Davis. And obviously his son Mark is the owner now. Um, you know, Harbaugh worked for Al Davis as a quarterback's coach during the Super Bowl run back in the early 2000s before he went off to his college coaching career. And the other guy you got to think about is Rich Basaccia. Is he going to keep that job in Las Vegas? He's done a great job getting that Raider team to the playoffs. What a game on Sunday night. What a disaster Brandon Staley turned out to be this year decision-wise. He calls timeout late in that game when all he needs is a tie to get to the playoffs. It looked like the Oakland or Las Vegas Raiders were going to run the clock out, which would have meant both Vegas and the Chargers would have made the playoffs if that game ends in a tie. Pittsburgh would have been out, but no, Staley calls timeout. Subsequently, the Raiders run another play, gain about 10 yards on a running play, and then Carlson comes in for for Vegas and kicks the game-winner 47-yarder at the gun in overtime to send the Raiders and the Pittsburgh Steelers to the playoffs while the Chargers go home with their you-know-what in their hand. Um, You know, some very dubious decisions by Staley in that game. He went for it on his own 20-yard line, fourth down, didn't make it. He went for two with four minutes to go, was fortunate enough to make it, but still some very dubious decisions by Staley on his – you know, going forward on fourth down so many times throughout the year. You remember the Kansas City game from a, a, a three, two or three weeks back where he went for every time instead of kicking field goals, and he lost that game in overtime. Loses another heartbreaker for the Chargers. The Chargers go home. They had no business going home. That game should have probably ended in a tie, and the Raiders would probably have allowed it to end in a tie if not for Brandon Staley's boneheaded coaching decisions which in a lot of cases could be a fireable offense in my opinion. You know, they're not going to fire him because he did a pretty good job in his first year, but other coaches with different backgrounds, that is a those are fireable offenses some of the decisions this guy was making in being a little re- too reckless on fourth down and and in game management type stuff. So, we'll be very interested to see how uh these playoffs unfold. We're going to get to the playoff matchups here in just a second, but again, 
Black Monday, lots of jobs open, big jobs, little jobs, you know, New York, Minnesota, Denver, Chicago, Miami, Vegas, some big cities, big markets, big personality kind of franchises. We'll be very interested to see where these teams go. And obviously you have Jacksonville, and the beauty of Jacksonville is you have Trevor Lawrence in the mix. Who's going to take that job? you got some front office turmoil, some ownership uh, things to consider with Shot Khan. But, again, I think one of the two best jobs are probably going to be Miami. And I think potentially Denver is a job that can be very lucrative because they're very close to being really good. They need a quarterback in Denver. Fangio wasn't able to get it done. They got a good defense. They got good players. I think Denver's a good job. I think Vegas is a potentially a good job. And I even think Miami's a good job. Again, you have to figure out what you're going to do with Tua. And, and again, one of the wild cards to think about this offseason is where is Deshaun Watson going to end up, if anywhere at all, because – if that guy gets put on a cu- one of a couple teams, i.e. a Denver, i.e. a Miami, they could turn into an instant contender overnight if Deshaun Watson gets his legal problems cleared up. Obviously, from a um, you know storyline perspective, you have Pittsburgh going to be looking for a new quarterback with Big, Big Ben all but telling everybody this will be it. You know, with a miraculous win in Baltimore on Sunday afternoon to get the Steelers to the playoffs. What a job by Roethlisberger. Um, getting the Steelers over the hump to the finish line and into the playoffs at 9-7-1. and one. Um, Thank you, Pittsburgh, for getting over eight and a half wins. Winner, winner, chicken dinner for JP on the win total. I uh, actually did really well in the win total this year with Bucks, Pittsburgh, and New England all over. And the only blemish was, the, was Philadelphia under seven, which turned into a loser, but that's okay. When you go three and one, you're doing okay. Uh, so, all right, let's preview some wild card weekend. We got a great slate of games on wild card weekend. Remember, we got two games on Saturday, three on Sunday, and we have a Monday nighter finishing off wild card weekend with Los Angeles hosting Arizona. Um, Sunday, I'm sorry, Saturday, let's go to Saturday. We're going to have the leadoff game Cincinnati hosting Las Vegas. Cincinnati is about a five point favorite. Again, Las Vegas coming off the emotional win on Sunday night. Overtime all the way to the gun to have to win the game. They turn around and have to go play on Saturday, early Saturday, 4.30. Travel to Cincinnati. Remember, this is a rematch. The Bengals beat the Raiders six or seven weeks ago in Las Vegas. I like Cincinnati here. I think the, the emotional toll of the weekend game against the Chargers. I think having to travel to Cincinnati. Remember, Cincinnati rested all their main players last week. Burrow, Chase, the kicker, all their main guys got rested. Mixon didn't play. I think you're going to see a good effort out of Cincinnati at home, cold weather. Vegas having to travel on a short week after playing a 10-minute overtime. I like Cincinnati here to get it done on Saturday early, 4.30 in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow to get to the divisional round. Saturday night in Buffalo, frigid Buffalo. Supposed to be around zero, potentially below zero conditions in Buffalo. Not too windy, but supposed to be really, really cold as the Patriots come to town for part three of Buffalo and New England this year. Remember, New England went to Buffalo early on and won that game where they only threw the ball three times in the windy conditions. Buffalo then went to New England a couple weeks later and beat the Patriots pretty soundly. Josh Allen played really well. And now we have the mat, the rematch and the, and the tiebreaker here. The Buffalo's the three seed, New England the six seed. Buffalo's a four-point favorite. Again, I give the edge to Buffalo as long as the wind is not terrible. I think Josh Allen and the receivers are going to be able to do enough the Buffalo running attack is getting has been much better the last five, six weeks with Devin Singletary. Um, the Buffalo defense has been very, very good. My question is for New England, can they throw the ball enough and enough pa- get enough big plays in the passing game to make this game, get this game into the fourth quarter? Mac Jones did not play very well in the second game in New England. Uh, the defense is good, not great uh, in New England. Again, you're going to have to run the ball with Damian Harris and Stevenson to set up the play action for Henry, for the receivers. Again, not a very good receiving core in New England with Jacoby Myers, but you do have good tight ends, John U. Smith, Hunter Henry. Uh, to me, the matchup's going to be, can 
Mac Jones throw the ball well enough in this weather to get it done. Again, Mac Jones is a Southern guy, not used to this cold weather, probably the coldest game he's ever played. I like Buffalo here to advance to the divisional round. I like Buffalo minus the four points as well. I think Josh Allen running running ability. And I think you're going to see Diggs. Emmanuel Sanders should be back. Dawson Knox, big tight end, could be a factor here as well. And again, Devin Singletary running the ball. I like Buffalo at home. Sunday, three games. Philadelphia, the Eagles are the seventh seed. They travel to Tampa to see the two-seed Buccaneers. Remember, the Buccaneers get the two-seed because the San Francisco 49ers with the tremendous comeback against the Rams. Last Sunday, they win the game in overtime. The Buccaneers take care of business against Carolina. They get the two-seed. Philadelphia comes to town. Tampa Bay's minus eight and a half. The Bucks are getting some reinforcements back. Fournette, Le- Levante David, Gio Bernard, Shaq Barrett, all are on track to potentially play on set Sunday, which is a great thing for the Buccaneers. Again, you still have Brady. You still have Gronk. You got Mike Evans. You're getting contributions by other receivers. Tyler Johnson, Perriman, uh, Cameron Brate's playing well. You're getting some contributions at running back. Le- Le'Veon Bell's in the mix a little bit. But if you get... Gio Bernard and Fournette back. That is a massive upgrade at the running back position, especially Bernard coming out of the backfield. You might see a little Lev Bell as well. But I, but again, Tampa Bay, I like Tampa Bay to win the game, definitely to win the game against Philadelphia. A run-oriented offense. You have to keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket. Do not let him wreck the game running the ball if you're the, if you're the Buccaneers. And again, should be able to put pressure on him. They don't have a lot of great weapons on the outside. You do have Devontae Smith, who's a good player. You got a decent running game with Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and company. But again, if you're the Buccaneers, you got to lean on that defensive line in front seven to shut that running game down and put the ball in Jalen Hurts' hands to make him win the game. I don't think he can. I think the Buccaneers are going to be too much offensively. And Tom Brady's going to get it done, I think, move to the next round. Uh, to the divisional round, which they will, would host another game, being the number two seed again. They would host again in the divisional round. So I like the Buccaneers on Sunday. I would tease the game if you're going to bet it. I would tease the Buccaneers down to two and a half and pair them with another game, uh, potentially with Cincinnati. I like the, I like the Bucks and Cincinnati together. If you if you if you're going that direction, wanting to do that, Sunday 4:30, maybe the game of the weekend. Dallas and the 49ers from Dallas. Uh, the three seed versus the six seed in San Fran. What a job by Shanahan and Garoppolo to come back from 17-0 down on the road in Los Angeles last week to beat the Rams, to get in the playoffs. Remember, the 49ers had to win the game or they were out. The uh, Rams win the division, but again, what a job by Garoppolo and company in that defense was all over Matthew Stafford. Again, a great matchup with the Cowboys. You got the offensive firepower. Ezekiel Elliott, Dak, Cooper, you got C.D. Lamb. You got a good defense in Dallas with the front four. And again, it's the running game of San Francisco versus the passing game of Dallas. Who can who can sustain it? If you're San Francisco, you're trying to bleed the clock. You want to run the ball. You're going to get Kittle the ball. You're going to get Debo Samuel the ball. And you're going to get Elijah Mitchell the ball. Those are your three big weapons. And again, Garoppolo, give him credit. What a drive at the end to get the game to overtime. And then he gets him down to kick a field goal in overtime. If Jimmy G can avoid the turnover, the massive turnover, I like the 49ers here. The Dallas is a three-point favorite. Again, Dak Prescott. Again, this is your chance to show everybody you're worth the $75 million that you're making this year. Um, you know, they struggled down the stretch. They won. He played really well last weekend against Philadelphia. Again, a lot of guys were being arrested by Philadelphia, but he set the Dallas record with five touchdown passes. He's got plenty of weapons. Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Cedric Wilson, Blake Schultz at tight end, and you got the decent running up, running backs in Pollard and, and Elliott. Um, I really this, – this is a – too close to call game. I don't. I don't have a gambling opinion on this game at all. But don't be surprised if the 49ers find a way to get it done. The kicking game will be a factor here. Zerline has been struggling. You got a very good kicker in Robbie Gould. Don't be surprised if this game comes down to a kick or a miss kick in the in the kicking game between Gould and Zerline. I'm going to go slight lean to the 49ers here uh, in an upset. Sunday night, Kansas City-Pittsburgh. Will this be the swan song for Ben Roethlisberger? 
We will see. Kansas City is a heavy favorite, minus 12 in Arrowhead, Sunday night football, NBC, Michaels and Collinsworth. Pittsburgh gets in with a dramatic win in Baltimore last Sunday. Kansas City played very well in Denver over the weekend. Again, I, I just don't see any way how Pittsburgh can win the game. Pittsburgh's got a good defense, but I think you're going to see Kansas City. Again, they throttled Pittsburgh three or four weeks ago. I look for a, a sound, solid victory out of the Chiefs at home. Again, Mahomes, you got uh, Tyreek Hill, you got Kelsey, you're going to have the running backs, Darrell Williams, and potentially Edwards Hilaire back. I just don't see how Pittsburgh can score enough points to, 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 to beat Kansas City. So I like Kansas City here uh, comfortably to get through the next game. And then obviously that will probably that will be the end of the career for Big Ben Roethlisberger. What a career it's been. Two Super Bowl titles. You know, just fantastic career in Pittsburgh and all that. So, um, But I do think Kansas City gets it done, gets to the divisional round, which could set up a huge matchup with Buffalo in the divisional round. You would then have Cincinnati going to Tennessee. Tennessee's the one seed, in the, in, in, and De- Derrick Henry will be back for that divisional round matchup. Again, that changes the whole outlook for Tennessee with Derrick Henry back, A.J. Brown back, Julio Jones back. Um, so... And in the NFC, obviously, Green Bay will host the lowest seed remaining from the playoffs uh, heading into the divisional round. Monday night, you got Los Angeles and Arizona in L.A., Stafford versus Kyler Murray. Divisional matchup, which means it'll be the third time they've played. I mean, to me, it's a toss-up game. Arizona's getting four points, which means L.A.'s minus four. I like Arizona in the four points here. I think it's a close game. Uh, I don't like what I've seen out of that Los Angeles defense here lately. When they have to have it, they, they really struggle. I think Murray's going to play good. I think you're going to see solid uh, running game out of, of Jimmy Connors and Chase Edmonds. I think you're going to see Murray run the ball a little bit here. And then L.A., you got the running game of Sony Michelle. Cam Akers is back. You got Cooper Cup, OBJ. But the wild card here is Matt Stafford. Will he not throw it to the other team at an inopportune time? J.J. Watt is potentially going to play in this game. Coming back for Arizona, you got Watt and Chandler Jones, a formidable front four. Uh, Interesting signing this week by the Rams. Eric Weddle, who's been in retirement for almost two years, has been signed to play safety for the Rams. Who knows how many snaps he'll get, but he'll definitely get some snaps if they're signing him, which means they don't have a lot of confidence in the safeties that they have. So, I like Arizona plus the four points on Monday night, first ever Monday night playoff game, ESPN. And the winner of that game most likely will play next Sunday. If the NFL makes this the Monday night winner plays Saturday, that's a travesty and that's a disaster, and that is just totally unfair and not right if the NFL does. I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll give the Monday night winner the Sunday game. Um, but we will see. Depending on what the matchups is, it could be Los Angeles coming to Tampa. It could be Los San- it could be Arizona coming to Tampa, depending on what happens in that Dallas 49er game. So very interesting uh, matchups potentially in that divisional round. And again, Green Bay is the one seed sitting at home. They'll get the worst seed left in the NFC for the Packers. So there you have it. Again, Steamboat Springs, Colorado. We're doing the podcast for you. Again, reach out to us on Twitter at JPO Sports with any comments or questions, concerns. Love to hear from you. Again, subscribe, rate, and review on all the podcast platforms you, uh, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We appreciate you finding us. And in just a minute, we will have Martin Gramatica, Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, former kicker, all pro, have his career background. We've got some great commentary about his career. He's a broadcasting now, some charity work. We're going to go through his entire career, Buccaneers, Colts, Saints, winning the Super Bowl. How did he get from Argentina to, 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 to the United States and everything in between. So enjoy the rest of the podcast and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And now a word from our podcast sponsor, Titan Home Lending. For all of your home financing needs anywhere in the state of Florida, whether it's a purchase or a refinance, reach out to Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. Titan Home Lending is based in Tampa, Florida. We can help you with FHA, 
conventional, renovation loans, jumbo loans, and virtually anything in between. So reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. Check out my new podcast called the No Quarter Given Podcast, where myself and Peter Blake, we give a historical analysis of all the Buck opponents throughout the regular season. Week to week, every opponent that the Bucks will play this year, we will do a podcast on a historical overview of the rivalry between the Bucks and this week's opponent. So f- subscribe, rate, and review to the No Quarter Given podcast on all your podcast platforms. All right, welcome to this special simulcast edition of the No Quarter Given podcast and the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Peter Blake's going to be joining us in just one second. And we have a great guest for you, a Buccaneer legend, Super Bowl champion, a guy that I have some I have some familiarity with. I was a former kicker back in my day. One Martin Gramatica, the legendary Buccaneer kicker, third round draft choice out of Kansas State, Super Bowl champion on the 03 Buccaneer Super Bowl team. Still in the Tampa Bay community doing all kinds of great things. We're going to get into Martin about his career about his broadcasting, about his soccer coaching, all kind of stuff. So, Martin, welcome to the podcast, sir. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, it's always fun uh, talking about Buccaneers football. I enjoy that. Yep. That, that's, uh, we're going to talk again. We're going to talk about Martin's career, and we're going to work in the uh, no quarter given podcast theme this week of the second matchup with the Carolina Panthers. Martin had an unbelievable game with the Panthers back in the day, the 2002 season we're going to highlight as well. First of all, Martin, Third round draft pick, 1999. Did you have any idea you were going to be that kind of that high of a pick going into that draft? Well, uh, you know, they had the mock drafts, you know, uh, right be- before. And, and I had my range was between second and fourth. So I kind of had an idea. But until you see your name flashing on the screen, uh, you don't believe it. You know, so I just kind of waited. But it's funny because uh, I talked to Joe Marciano, the special team coach and he kind of told me that what what the Bucks wanted to do so they gave me the whole scenario if they drafted if they wanted Sean King in the second round if they got King I would go in the third if not they may even consider taking me in the second so I was hoping Sean would go somewhere else that way I could go to second but uh, <laughs> it worked out pretty good so I, I kind of I had an idea but you know until the phone rang I wasn't sure so I was, but it was uh, definitely a, a phone call I'll never forget and obviously the Buccaneers with their history of draft, I mean, again, drafting a kicker that high in the draft, you know, Janikowski was, he, he was a couple years before you, correct? No, he was after me. And uh, Gruden told me he drafted him that high because he wanted me, but he didn't get a chance to give me to, to Oakland. So, right. Uh, so, so yeah. So. <laughs> but I mean, but, but just in all, in general, in all seriousness, the pressure of having to come to a franchise as a kicker is that high of a draft pick. And especially a team like the Bucks that were ready to win, you know, what, what did that pressure feel like to you going into your first mini camp, training camp, that kind of pressure, knowing they were going to rely on you big time to be a part a big contributor early? No, absolutely. I think uh, it, it goes both ways. It's two different kinds of pressure. You have, if you're a free agent, you know, you have the pressure that if you make a mistake, you're out of there and they'll bring somebody else in. But then when you do get drafted high, you have the pressure of having to live up to the expectations and make sure you deliver. So I put a lot of pressure on myself and, and I didn't want my teammates to say, well, we got this kicker in the third round. We should have gotten a receiver. We should have got a linebacker, you know, sure. somebody that could make more of an impact. So I, I didn't want, I didn't want my teammates to, to, to have that second guess and not, not only teammates, you know, the, the organization as well. So, uh, so yeah, I did put a lot of pressure on myself to, de- to, to, to do good and deliver. And, and luckily uh, I was fortunate to be in a great locker room, you know, a locker room with a bunch of leaders that, you know, took me under their wing and helped me out a ton. So that was, that was nice to to have that guidance from, from the veterans. I didn't realize that this doing research on you. And I knew you were an all American. First of all, you were a two time all American Kansas state. I didn't realize you blew, you, you, you tore your ACL one of your first couple of years at Kansas state, you know, having to come back from that and then becoming the player that you became, how did going through that experience of missing a whole year impact the way you train, the way you focused, that kind of stuff in your college career? Well, that, that's a great question because I, I always uh, look, uh, look at the, at the time that it happened, I thought, you know, my career's over. This is it. You know, back then you tore your ACL and it wasn't a guarantee that you'd come back because it, it, a lot of times it was a career ending injury. This is in 96 when it happened. Uh, but it, for me, it was a blessing because I learned how to train. I learned how to get stronger. 
before that, I was just a soccer player that be, became a kicker. So I didn't really work out in the weight room as much I, because in soccer, we didn't back then. It was just you run around and you stay in shape. That's it. So that injury forced me to get in the gym and strengthen everything, not just my leg, but especially my leg, you know, because you, you strengthen it before the surgery to, to go into the surgery with, with strength. And right. then obviously the therapy afterwards. So my two years after the injury were a hundred times better than my first two before the injury. So, uh, so yeah, it was, a, it was a blessing. Uh, even though at the time it, it was hard and, and a long road, to, you know, to recovery, but, but after it happened and, and when I came back, I came back so much stronger and better. So you grew up in Buenos Aires, Argentina. You moved to the United States when you were what, eight, nine, 10 years old, something in that range. First of all, how did your parents and all that, how did you guys decide to move to LaBelle, Florida of all places? kind of in the Fort Myers area. How did, how did LaBelle, Florida from Buenos Aires happen? Well, we're, we're, we landed in Miami, which I think 99% of the South Americans, you know, you land in Miami and then from there you decide where you go. And we were just coming to the, to the West Coast to try to find work. And we stopped at a gas station in LaBelle and <laughs> the, the lady working at the gas station, she's like, I, I recognize your accent. It's like, are you guys from Argentina? And yes, we are. And she's like, so am I. Wow. So, so she, she, she was married to the sheriff, the town sheriff, and immediately said, well, come to my house. You guys can stay at my house, find a job here. It's a, a great town for kids and family. So, I mean, that would never happen in this day and age. I don't think for somebody to just because you're from the same country, they're like, stay at my house, you know? <laughs> so, wow. uh, so we stayed, you know, I think it was like a week until we found my parents found jobs and uh, we opened up a restaurant there. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's crazy how it happened, but, uh, but it, we're great. I, I, LaBelle was great to us. I mean, it's a little town that, you know, hard to get in trouble in a small town like that. <laughs> so you, 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 get, you go through high school, have a, have a good high school career. Obviously, you never played football until you went to high school, I don't think. Um, well, I only played one year, yes. My senior year was the only uh, year that I kicked. So, Bill, so Kansas State finds you. Bill Snyder, the legendary coach at Kansas State, building that program in the mid to late 90s. How was it you going from small town LaBelle, Florida to Manhattan, Kansas, another small town, you know, playing for a coach that, you know, they'd had struggles at Kansas State, but you knew you were going to probably be an impact player and get to play. How did all that come about going to Kansas State and Bill Snyder? Well, yeah, because I because I only played one year, I didn't really have that many offers. And a lot of the schools were afraid to, to give me a scholarship because they were, yeah, you're too green and you're, you know, you're, you're too raw, which – I mean, at the time I was getting upset that they were saying that, but when I look back and they were right, you know, I never really had a kicking coach in high school because they never, my high school never had a kicker. They had an old lineman kicking with their toe before <laughs> I kicked and Bill and Sandel. So, yeah. so we didn't have any, really no, any, any coaching. Uh, once I got to Kansas state, uh, Bill Snyder was like a father figure. He was amazing. You know, kept, you know, definitely uh, holds you accountable, taught you, the, taught me a, a ton. You know, I left there uh, with so many life lessons from coach Snyder but a guy that really helped me was his son, Sean Snyder. At the time, he was trying to get in the league, so he was punting, but he was always working out at Kansas State, trying to stay in shape and stay fit for that phone call. And so I'd work out with him. I trained with him. And he was uh, definitely the, the, the one coach that really impacted me a ton in college as far as my technique and how to kick. Because I went from, you know, being a soccer player that just kicked the football to actually becoming a kicker, thanks to Sean. Uh, so, so, yeah, it's, it's – um, I, another another blessing that I ended up at Kansas State. I loved it there. The, the the community, the fans, you know, the the organization. I mean, the whole, you know, from the from from top to bottom. You know, Bill Snyder is a class act, and all the coaches. Uh, Jim Levitt, who recruited me, uh, from yeah, because at the time uh, Jim Levitt and Bob Stoops were co-defensive coordinators my freshman year, right. and then they ended up having their phenomenal careers themselves as head coaches, but. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a great coaching staff and, and a lot of uh, lessons, you know, from, 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 from all those coaches. Very cool. I want to bring in Peter Blake. Peter Blake's the host of the Sports Web. You've seen Peter and I do the No Quarter Given podcast. We're doing the Simulcast podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Let's get to the 2002 season, Peter. I want you to take the lead. 2002, yeah. Carolina. What's going on, Martine? Welcome to the uh, No Quarter Given podcast. And I got to ask you, take me back to 2002, especially the Carolina Panther game. But the season overall, first and foremost, is it like yesterday for you? Oh, uh, yes, yes. I mean, it's uh, 
and, and, and you know, everybody talks about the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl, and that's obviously what what we you know we we remember. But the whole journey was just an awesome year with it. And the locker room, you know, uh, Coach Dungey built a locker room with great character, and then we had Coach Gruden come in and fiery energy. And I think the combination of that locker room that Coach Dungey built with great character, and then having Gruden motivate us and push us, uh, it was just an awesome year from start to finish, which is, it was just, it was as fun as far as like practice, hanging out with the guys, it was the most fun I've ever had. You know, we, we just had a, such a good, good chemistry with the teammates. Everybody got along. So uh, I, I, I enjoyed that whole season. It just it was a lot of fun. Talk about the Carolina game because uh, that was nip and tuck at the time. Of course, Carolina was giving the Bucks everything they could handle. Of course, they had some injuries that day. I believe Brad Johnson was out. Rob Johnson was starting. They were starting to develop their defense, and they really depended on you that day. Go back to that moment when uh, you faced the Carolina Panthers later on in that year. Yeah, that was a that was a, uh, a, a one of those games that you know Brad was out, so Rob stepped in. Um, Sean King had to come in and, and throw a pass to get us in field goal range in the last drive. So it's one of those where you could say everybody had a part in it. Our defense, obviously played phenomenal, not, not allowing a touchdown and getting the turnovers back. Special teams got a turnover with, with, a, with a, a fumble that they fumbled upon. And we got the ball right back to get us in, in, the, in the field goal range. Um, I remember Warren Sapp was on the field goal team. We had so many injuries that, you know, Rich Visaccia had to be creative. And, you know, Warren was, uh, you know, always had my back. So he raised his head. If you need, a, if you need somebody to block, I'll go in there and block. So, um, so that's, for me, it's... Uh, Individually, it's one of those memorable games that I'll never forget. For me, my my, my personal one is my favorite one because of you know the impact, the uh, the long field goals. Three of the four field goals were in the yes. fourth quarter with with like I don't remember exact times, but I think like four or five minutes left. Yes. Um, and and it's one of those that that I'll never forget. And uh, I mean, I just yeah, I I, I see it you know I, in my head, and I still feel like I'm there today. You know, it's, it's one of those games that I'll never forget. And, Go and back. Peter, real quick, Peter, yeah. and it's a bitter division rival in their stadium. Yeah, in an important kind of game. I mean, you, we were the, you know, the Buccaneers were the team that everybody thought was gonna was on the rise, and and you were the guy that in that arena in Carolina on the road, you 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 kick some dagger field goals in that game. And that just has to make you feel great. Yeah, but it was a whole team win. Like I said, you know, we we had uh, our, our our leader Brad out with an injury. Rob had to step in. Rob goes down. Sean, Sean comes in, throws a pass. Uh, our defense, you know, they, we've had some injuries on defense too. Guys stepped up. Uh, we had the turnovers when we needed them. So it's one of those. Um, and that's ultimate that's a, that's win. that was the ultimate team win. Yeah, absolutely. But that's that, that was our style, though. You know, hard nose defense, and we fought till the end. And it was one of those that nobody gave up and nobody quit. And it was one of those he, he, that I think that game motivated us to realize, look, it doesn't matter if we're not firing on all, all cylinders, we'll figure out a way to win as a team. And we did. So that, that to me, that was one of those games that helped us believe that we could win any game. You, you're all about emotion. Cause I remember your celebrations after uh, kicks, who was the guy that motivated you, the teammate on the team itself that motivated you when you made a big kick? Who was the first guy to pat you on the helmet or, or come up to you on the bench and say, good kick, great kick, we need you? Who was that guy that motivated you the most on that Super Bowl team? Yeah, there's not just one guy. There's so many. We had so many leaders. I Like, like I said, you know, we had Brooks, um, Allstott, you know, Lynch, Sapp, all those guys. For me, I, I, was, I looked up to them when I was in college and then now I'm a, all of a sudden I'm in, in the same locker room being teammates with them. So uh, for them to say, good job, Rondé, I remember right, Rondé would come up to me all the time too. And he was at the time, not a leader yet, you know, he was a leader, but not like what he ended up being, you know, a, a hall of famer, but he was still pretty young himself. Uh, Brad, Brad, as a, as a quarterback, he was awesome. Always, always motivated, always, you know, um, you know, Hey, we want to need you or, or, or we'll get you in range. You know, where, where do we need to get to? Like he'd ask me how, what he, so, so he was very, um, he communicated a lot for a lot of guys, you know, sometimes they leave the kicker aside. Uh, right. but with Brad, we great relationship, great guy. So I, I can't just say one because we had such a great locker room. I mean, that was one of those where I believe like everybody got along. But for you, Martin, real quick, for you, Peter, Martin, the battery of you, the snapper, the holder, and the kicker, that's your own little team. You know, Tom oh. Tupa, I mean, talk about that relationship with those guys because 
no matter what the other guys are blocking, if the snap's not good and the guy can't hold the ball very well, makes your job a lot harder. Oh, 100%. You, you have to have that trust and that friendship with your holder just to know, like, look, he's going to get it down. And, and Tom was the best. I mean, Tom and we, we had an awesome relationship. Um, you know, yeah. we hung out and you, you hang out 24-7. I mean, there's no right. – it's, it's a kicker, punter, long snapper. And at the time, uh, Mike Soul started the season. He hurt his foot. And then we brought in Ryan Benjamin, who snapped for uh, Bill and Santiago, just Bill at USF. So yeah. I knew Ryan. And, and it's funny because they didn't want to sign him because if you look at Ryan, he doesn't look like an NFL player. You know, he, yeah. he, his body does not warrant him being in the NFL. So I said, look, take a look at him. He's a great snapper. The first tryout, they didn't sign him. They signed somebody else. Uh, and, and we had a couple, we had issues with a couple snaps. So then they brought him back and then he finished out the year and then uh, won the Super Bowl, obviously. So it, it was it was one of those where, you know, whoever stepped in did the job and, and Ryan did a great job coming in, snapping and not but but Tupa. I mean, I I did I just I could close my eyes and know the ball was there every time. I I trusted him uh, with everything. So it was it was great to have that relationship with him. Martine, when uh, the Philadelphia win happened in two thousand two in the <laughs> NFC championship game. Was your mindset basically we got over the hump? The team's mindset we got over the hump at that point. You guys were going to win the Super Bowl. Was that your mindset? Do you feel like that was your teammates' mindset once you got over that big hump of the Philadelphia Eagles? Oh, 100%. I, I feel like that was our Super Bowl. You know, that was what, who, who we had struggled with in the past and who knocked us out of the playoffs in the, in the years prior, prior to that year. So, 100%. Once we won that game, I don't think it mattered who on the AFC made it to the Super Bowl, we were going to roll through them just because of the motivation and the, uh, the chemistry. And, and we we're just firing on all cylinders. By the time the, the season ended, our offense was playing well and our defense obviously was the number one in, in, in the league. So, uh, so yeah, it didn't matter who we played in after that Philadelphia game, we were winning. And a little tidbit, Martin is, is another record holder in Buccaneer history, he scored the first ever point in the Super Bowl with a field goal. So he'll always be in the record books for the first ever Buccaneer to score a point in the Super Bowl. And one other quote before Peter goes, remember that 2002 season as well, late in the year, the Bucs clinched the bye when Martin kicks five field goals, when the Bucs win 15-0 in Chicago, not at Soldier Field, but the no. University of Illinois because Soldier Field was getting renovated. Again, talk about that atmosphere. Of, uh, you're probably used to kicking in Soldier Field, and now you're having to kick it in a new venue at the University of Illinois. Yeah, no, it was tough because, you know, it's an open-ended uh, stadium, so it was really windy. Uh, fortunately, all five field goals were with the wind at my back. So, ah. uh, <laughs> you know, so if, if, if you're going to have wind, uh, let's take it in, on our, in our back. And uh, I was lucky that all five went that way. So, uh, it, yeah, it was a tough environment. Their, their fans, obviously, Chicago has a great fan base. Um, but the stadium uh, was really tricky for me. The, the only positive was that it was a field turf, so I knew the footing was going to be nice. Yeah, because anytime I ever played at Soldier Field, by the time we played them, the, the it was late in the year and there was really no grass left, so it was all like mud and sand. So the footing was always an issue there. And uh, in Champaign, we didn't have that because it was field turf. So that, I guess that was the, the the positive we can take about that one. Peter, I know you got to go in. A, I know you got to go in a second. So go ahead. Yeah, I got one final question. I've interviewed uh, the great man Tony Dungy uh, as a coach and as a man. What was your biggest lesson you learned from him? Well, I, I mean, there are so many. I, there's, if I just give you one, it's, it, would, it wouldn't give it any justice. I just, uh, what I tell people is what you see and what you hear about Tony Dungy, he's 10 times better. You know, it's like, uh, he's, he's a real deal. And then a, lot, a lot of times you see people that talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Uh, with Coach Dungy, he talks the talk and walks the walk. Uh, yeah, he definitely um, impacted all of us. And I feel like um, on the on the uh, charity side, on the giving back to the community side, I think that was the first time I ever I ever did any charity work because in college you really don't have any time. You know, you're, when you're a college athlete, you're going 20, 100 miles an hour from class to school to practice. Um, so when I got to the box, I I couldn't understand. You know, uh, at the time, uh, Derek had the the Brooks bunch. He was taking kids to Africa to show them the history, and then you know, Sap had his and all these guys. And I'm thinking, what is this? I never even heard of this. So. Thanks to Coach Dungy, we all uh, learn how to give back or, or how important it is to give back. So I, I always thank him for that. Thanks a lot, Martin. Appreciate it as, as always. And thanks a lot for coming on the No Quarter Given podcast here on the Buck Power Podcast Network. Pete, no problem, Pete. Dad. Nice talking to you and enjoy your Rolex.
Yeah, Peter. Peter's got to go do his own show now. I'm, me and you are going to keep talking for a minute, but uh, but Peter's got to go do his own show. And there's the Rolex for you if you're watching us on the YouTube channel on the Powers nice. on Sports YouTube channel. So Peter, have a good show, man. All right, Martine. So you're listening to the Powers on Sports podcast, No Quarter Given podcast simulcast. We're with Martine Gramatica, Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneer legend. I didn't realize this. Looking at your stats, you only played for the Buccaneers for five years, correct? Yes, yes. I didn't. Re- I mean, I, for some reason, I thought you played for the Buccaneers a lot longer. You made 155 career field goals. You were 76 percent in your career. You were a 2000 All Pro selection, second team All Pro, 2000 Pro Bowler. Talk about just your time in Tampa. How did you? I mean, obviously, you were familiar with the state of Florida. How much more comfortable did that make you knowing you were close to your family? You're back in the area, warm weather, something I'm sure you really enjoyed year round. Talk about that transition back to Tampa. Yeah, no, if you know, uh, coming out of college, you, you, if you get drafted, you go wherever. I mean, you're not going to complain, you're going to go and, and, and make the best of it. But for me to be selected to come to Tampa was basically the team that I wanted to play for because it was close to home. Uh, Bill was going to USF. Santiago ended up playing the USF, you know, later. Um, Jim Levitt was at USF who recruited me to Kansas State. So I had a lot of ties to the area. Yep. I just never really hung out in Tampa before. I was just, you know, I grew up in the Fort Myers area, LaBelle. So, um, so yeah, it was for me, it was like coming home. If I had to pick a team, uh, the Bucks were the one just because they that's the one where, you know, you know, my family, my brothers were around. So um, I, I couldn't believe it when I, when I got the phone call, and I, and I always wanted to play in the state of Florida in college, and I never got a chance to play a bowl game because, you know, uh, there was a chance we almost played the Orange Bowl. There was a couple of times, and, and we never ended up playing that. So I was always disappointed that I didn't get the chance to play uh, in Florida. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm with the Bucks and playing uh, pretty much a bunch of games in Florida. So it was, uh, yeah, it was great. It was like coming home. That's awesome. That's all. Are you the only guy still from, the, from Argentina ever playing the NFL? Well, Bill played. Too, that's so right, my, yeah. but your so, family yeah. there's been nobody outside of your family from argentina that's ever played in the nfl correct not that i know of, not that i know that's right that's uh, that's even it's um you're a rock star in buenos aires i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> <Talk to me. laughs> so let's all right so let's talk about your you know your nfl career so joining the buccaneers on the rise in 99 the bucks had made some headway with coach dungy you knew you were coming to a team that was defensive oriented. You were going to be a critical element. The Bucs weren't scoring 35 points a game like today's NFL where the passing game was so pass happy. Again, was that a mindset that you had to get used to to know every week they're going to need me? We're not going to blow teams out 38 to 7. We're going to be in a lot of close games with the defense. The offense was a little more conservative at the time with Coach Dungy. Talk about your, you know, just you maturing into that as a young player. Well, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was coming into. I, I never really followed the NFL much because when you're when you're playing college football, you don't have really time. And I knew I knew I wanted to come to Tampa because my brother was at USF and, and, right. and it was close to home. But I didn't really follow the team close enough to know that, oh, this is a defensive team. They're really going to need a kicker. Um, so I kind of, you, you know, I probably probably was a good thing, you know, to not know how important it is to make every kick. And and, and I re- you realize early on, and pretty quick and uh, as a kicker that every game in the NFL, doesn't matter if you have a good offense or a bad offense or a good defense, they're always close games. You know, it's not like college where you have two or three close games and then a bunch of blowouts at times. Um, there's every kick is important. And that's where the, the, the focus and the um, yeah, it's so much different than college, you know, where you have to focus on every kick in college. If you miss a kick at times, it doesn't matter because you're winning by 28 points where, in the pros, it's rare that you kick a field goal when you're up by 28. So every kick matters. So growing up in Buenos Aires, was Maradona your guy? Oh, 100%. I, uh, <laughs> I always, that's why I always wanted to be 10. Unfortunately, Sean, Sean took 10, so I had, to, I had to settle for seven, which I'm very happy. It worked out pretty good. But, uh, but yeah, I always wore a T-shirt with uh, the number 10 and his name in the back. That was my guy. That was your Maradona. Yeah, absolutely. Those of you that don't, that don't know Maradona back in the day, in mid-80s, early 90s, he was the king of, of world football, man. He was, uh, you know, the legend he was, and he just passed away here in the last couple of years. So uh, great, great uh, inspiration for you. All right, so let's get to – you leave the Buccaneers in 03. You, you bounce around the league a little bit. You got injured. Talk about how the injuries really affected your next phase of your career with, some, with the abdominal injuries that you suffered from. 
Yeah, no, un unfortunately, I, I think that's what really messed, messed my career up. I, 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 the injury started the, the year, uh, the Super Bowl year. I started to feel a little pain in my adductor, and, and they just couldn't diagnose it. At first, it was, a, uh, you know, maybe a lower ab strain, then it was a groin strain. It could be a hernia. So I just dealt with it that year, and I felt so physically strong that it didn't really affect me. Um, the day after the Super Bowl, you do your exit physicals. They check me out, and, oh, you have a hernia. So they're perfect. I'm glad you found it. Let's fix it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for the, I was misdiagnosed and it was a, uh, it was a sports hernia, not a, not a regular hernia. So the mesh and all the staples they put in there really didn't do much. So three, two, three months after that, the pain was even worse. So I played the last two years here in Tampa with a ton of pain. There's days, there's weeks that I didn't even get a chance to practice. I couldn't, so I physically couldn't get my body strong. So then I had the right surgery, uh, with a doctor in Philadelphia felt better, but he's like, look, the mess you have in there with the mesh and all that. I'll fix it, but I don't know how long it'll last. So it was one of those where I ended up spending more time in the training room and doctor's offices and cortisone shots than, than enjoying it. So it was, uh, the, the last half of my career was not as enjoyable as the first half, let's put it that way. Sure, sure. So you finished up in 2008 in New Orleans, kind of was your last hurrah there. With, the, with how, how tough was it to realize that you reached the end of the road, that you couldn't either physically do it, didn't want to do it, and the interest in you wasn't as it was, it was a few years back. How hard is that to you as an athlete at a championship level? Oh, no, that's, that's the worst feeling. You know, I, um, it, it, I couldn't watch football for like two years. I, I just didn't because I feel like I, I felt like I still had more to give and more to play. Right. But physically, my body couldn't do it. My, 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 basically, my leg, you know, everything felt great except my adductor, my leg. So, um, so yeah, it was really tough because no, you never want to retire because of an injury you know you want to go out and either you know go out on top or just say look I'm too old I can't play anymore but to go out you know six weeks at end of the season with a with a you know basically I pulled five muscles in one kick it was just to the point where my body was just basically shutting down all the uh, cortisones and and medicine that I was having to take to, to try to get through games um so you know your body at times is enough is enough and I and I'm I knew it then, you know, once, once that kick, that last kick, I knew I, there's no way I could do it again. And a guy, and a guy, you know, very well that played in his mid forties, Adam Benateri, what a job by a guy like him, just whether it's luck of the, of the draw as far as your body goes, but what, I mean, a guy, you know, Tom Brady's our version of that now, but Adam Benateri played to his mid forties as a kicker in the league and just how admirable is for a guy like that to be able to last that long. Oh yeah. And the, the great thing about that is I got the, I got the, uh, be on the team with him for six weeks because yeah. he was injured. Uh, he had a, a, a groin uh, strain and coach Dungy would bring me in and fill in for him. So I got to pick his brain and learn, but by then my body was already, uh, you know, already had sure. suffered enough damage that I couldn't really recover from it. But, um, sure. but it was really good to see his work ethic, his training. Uh, he had a stretch guy. So a lot of times people think, well, he got lucky and played to his 40s. So like, there's no luck about it. You know, you have to you have to have the luck to not get injured, but also have to take care of your body to not get injured. And, and, and you know, Tom Brady does that. Adam Benateri did it. Uh, unfortunately for me, it was something that, you know, was a minor thing that became larger, I feel, because of the misdiagnosed by a doctor. Because if, yeah. I, if they would have fixed that right the first time, who knows how long I could have played. So that's the only, the only regret I have. If you look back is not getting a second opinion, because when you're young, you assume that, you know, the NFL doctors are the best and you don't know that sometimes, you know, uh, they, they, they could make, they could make mistakes. So I, at the time, uh, looking back, I wish I would have uh, seen the real, the real uh, adductor doctor, you know, just to get it fixed. Right. But, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, but you have to give credit to Adam and, and, and Tom, you know, for playing that long because it's not easy. No, you're right. I mean, hell, just to make it in the NFL one year, forget eight or nine years like you got in. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's the toughest league in the world to make and stay in the league, especially at your position where it's a, it can be a whirlwind of, of a roller coaster of you're great one week and three weeks later you're out of a job. So, I mean, full credit to you for the ability to do what you did and, and uh, all right, let's talk to you. Let's talk to Martine about after football. You've got, you've had some business interests. You've stayed in the Tampa Bay area. Talk about your foundation, the Grammatica Foundation, what you're trying to do in the Tampa Bay area with the, with the Grammatica Foundation. Yeah, no, thank you for asking. Um, we, uh, we, we, we help uh, combat wounded veterans. We, uh, we built full, a full house for them if they need it. Now, the way the economy is, you know, it's a lot harder to build a full house. Right. Uh, and, and when we started, you know, 
nine years ago, the banks were given free lots because they had to get rid of them, you know, foreclosed lots. Now, that same lot that we were getting for free is probably 80 to 100 grand. So yeah. it's really hard to build a full house. So we've partnered up with Habitat for Humanity, yep. other nonprofits to do either uh, if we can a full house, but if not, some remodels, uh, wheelchair accessible ramps, uh, remodel kitchens where everything's, um, you know, handicap accessible for these veterans. So for me, it's, it's very important to, to, to show my kids and, and, have, and also the kids that I coach, I coach soccer now and to show them and thank our veterans for all their sacrifices, because, you know, we talk about how much we sacrifice as an athlete, but these veterans, these, the, 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 our military gives, they give the ultimate sacrifice, you know, and, and a, lot, a lot of times their best friends die, their family members die. Um, the first uh, recipient of Charlie Lemon, he's an amazing guy, you know, he's, and he lost both legs in Afghanistan and he's the most positive, nicest guy you'll ever meet. And I'm thinking if I was in his shoes, I'd be so bitter and angry and, that's, that's what I'm thinking, but he, he's just a happy guy. So I look, my best friend died in the, uh, in the explosion. So I have to live a full life for both of us. So, um, so yeah, so it's really rewarding. We, we get, we get so much more out of just seeing their, you know, their gratitude, their smile than, you know, and they thank us. And I'm like, you don't need to thank us. We're thanking you for you, right. for what you did. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited that, that we were able to do it. And, and it, yeah, it is the Grammatica Family Foundation, but it's really not. It's the whole community. We've had so many people help out and so many people come to our events. And uh, just uh, the community has been amazing. Well, tell everybody, where, tell everybody where they can find you online as far as the foundation website and all that good stuff. Yeah, the, the foundation website is uh, grammaticafamilyfoundation.org. Um, and I post a lot of stuff on Instagram. It's martingrammatica7. That's basically where they can get the most information. I always share uh, either dates for volunteer dates or build dates or, or a kickball. We do a kickball tournament. That's our biggest fundraiser. Um, but, but yeah, so grammaticafamilyfoundation.org is where they can find all the information. And another interesting thing, you were playing in the league during 9-11, that week back from 9-11. Talk about that experience around the league. I don't know where you guys played, where the Bucks were at that week, but talk about that week of 9-11 and, and it works into the, the veterans you deal with and all the first responders that we, that we uh, are so proud of and so thankful for. Yeah, no, it, you know, everybody, I think everybody knows and remembers what they were doing the day or when it happened or where the phone call, um, I, I, I get rolfing, which is like a specialty massage right. and I'm coming out of that. And my, and my wife calls me on the phone and said, Hey, uh, somebody, they crashed a plane in the twin, uh, twin towers. And, and I'm like, no, no way. It can't be right. And then you turn on, I turn on, obviously I'm in the car. So I turn on the radio and then you, cut, you go home and you watch the, the footage and, and you're just in disbelief. I mean, this, you think it's a movie, you know, it's like, there's no way this could be happening in real life. So, um, so yeah, we, then that, those, the games got postponed that week. We were supposed to play Philly. Uh, so they postponed it. And then we played them, I think the week the, during our bye week, I don't remember the exact, but I remember the games getting postponed, but um, yeah, just, just one of those things that, you know, you know exactly where you were when you heard about it, but you didn't think it was real at the time. I, I didn't think it was real until I really saw the footage on TV. Let's get to your budding broadcasting career. For the, it's the fourth year you've been working with. The, you've been calling Buccaneer games on the NI Spanish Broadcasting Network. You do the games in Spanish. Talk about how fun it is for you to do Buccaneer games. And again, in your native language, your Spanish language, how fun is it for you to, 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 to do that? Oh, I love it. I love it. That, that, so, that, so the first year when, when we sat down, I got, I, got, I got a call from the Bucks and TJ Reeves uh, a bunch of times. Hey, they're thinking about doing uh, Spanish radio. And, I, and, 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 and never happened. It, they'd call and maybe it would. And then this time, they, it, it, TJ and then Jeff Ryan call me and they're like, look, I, I think we got a guy that wants to do it. I'm like, sure, okay, no problem. And I'm thinking, like, I'll never hear from these guys. Yeah. And then sure enough, uh, I hear from, from, uh, from Neil, the owner, and then he calls me up. We meet. Uh, five minutes later, we got an agreement. Like, oh, let's do it. And I told him, I said, look, I coach soccer. My priority is my kids' soccer, so there may be some games that I can't do. Right. And we had three guys at the time. And then after after the first year, I loved it so much. I said, and I, I didn't want to say no and then regret it. So I said, let me try it for one year. If I like it, we'll do it again. If not, find somebody else. Not a problem. And, man, I love this. So now I now I rearrange my soccer schedule over the, the NFL schedule, which the, the, that should be the priority, obviously. So uh, I love doing it. <laughs> Uh, the feedback from fans is amazing. We have an app. So uh, on Caliente 96.1 is the app. So we have fans that listen to us worldwide. We have a yeah. huge following in Europe, uh, Mexico. I'm, or Obviously, I'm from Argentina. Carlos Borges, our play-by-play, -play, 
he's from Venezuela. So there's a huge found in Venezuela. I mean, it's, it's crazy the amount of messages that we get every week from people all over the world uh, listening to our broadcast. It's, it's really cool. All right, last thing I'll get you out of here. You, you mentioned coaching soccer. You're wearing you're wearing your soccer hoodie right now. How, how much joy is it that you're coaching your son and so involved on the uh, with your son on the soccer soccer front? Yeah, it, it almost uh, was the same story as the uh, broadcast. They asked me to help out my kids' team about 12 years ago now, and I said, "Well, I'll help out. I don't have a lot of time, but I'll try." And man, I was hooked. Uh, and then from there, just it, it was it's like an addiction. I just love doing it. I love watching my, in it. And for me, it's, it's, it's even better because I'm coaching my kids too. So I'm spending time with my kids. I'm able to help and influence other kids. Uh, it's, uh, you know, besides playing, getting involved in either coaching or broadcasting the game, it's uh, the second best thing. I, I, you know, obviously playing gives you that adrenaline that nothing, nothing can duplicate that, I don't think. But this is pretty close. When I watch my kids play, when, I, when I'm, you know, coaching them on the weekends and training, we practice four days a week and then we play on the weekend. So I get to spend so much time with them. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Well, fans, you can't see this unless you go to the powers on sports, YouTube channel. Martin's got about 20 game balls behind him at his house. It's all kind of different game balls. What was the toughest stadium to kick in outside of Tampa? What was the hardest place to kick? Well, I didn't really enjoy kicking in soldier field or Lambeau field because you know, those, uh, by the time, I think they paid us back. They usually they would come play us in the summer where it's really hot. Yeah. And then we'd play them the last game of the year. So <laughs> so it was um by the time we got there there was no grass left. There was cold, you know, muddy. Um but I I do remember my my rookie year playing in Lambeau Field. It was a Sunday night game, I believe it was either Sunday night or Monday night. And I just couldn't believe that I was at Lambeau Field with all the history and all the uh right. you know, the history of that stadium. So it was it was pretty cool, but they were they were not easy to kick in though. Well, Martin, it's been a real pleasure, man. I appreciate the time, man. Keep up the great work. We're, uh, you know, obviously coming up week 18 here, you'll be calling Carolina and the Bucks on Sunday. Tell everybody where they can find them locally as far as the broadcast. Yeah, it's uh, Caliente 96.1, and, and that's the local station, but it also has the app. Or like I said, you can find me on uh, Martin Grammatica 7. I always put all the uh, – the 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 um, radio stations that are that are broadcasting it plus the app so any any of those areas you can find our broadcast well man it's been a real pleasure pleasure thanks for the great commentary history and all the great stories again you listen to the powers on sports and no quarter given simulcast martin grammatica super bowl champion all the best martin moving forward and have a, and let's get another super bowl i want to see you in sofi in about a month Oh, I can't wait. That would be uh, that would be awesome. Yes, sir. I'd love to see that again. So appreciate you having me. I had a lot of fun. Awesome, Martin. Have a great week, sir. And we will we'll see you next time on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Let's go, Bucks. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at JPOSports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.